Welcome everyone to the Feeling Lighter podcast by We Shape, where we shed old beliefs that no longer serve us one episode at a time. The bottom line is how we feel about ourselves changes everything. So Lisa, I am really excited today for you to get to meet Dr. Jimenez. I've met her before. She's come actually in person and done an episode with us. And the second she left, I said, we got to see if she can come back. So Love it. Uh, I'm really excited. I know we've we've talked a lot about this episode and prepared some questions, but I'd love to see if we can read her bio and then get straight to it because I know there's going to be a lot of questions today. So absolutely wonderful. Honored to read this bio. Very excited to meet her. All right. Dr. Jimenez was born in Nayarit, Mexico, and raised in Watsonville, California. She spent her childhood summers and teenage years working in the fields, picking raspberries alongside her grandmother. Dr. Jimenez attended Pajaro Valley Unified School District and is a proud high graduate of Watsonville High School. Dr. Jimenez is the first in her family to earn a doctorate degree from both her maternal and paternal side of the family. She received her BA and MA in sociology from San Jose State University and PhD in sociology from the University of Texas at Austin. Dr. Hortensia Jimenez is a sociology professor at Hartnell College and founder of the Sociology Club and co-founder of the Student Parent Club. Her past teaching trajectory included the National Hispanic University, Pacific Oaks College, Galvian College, and CSU Monterey Bay. Prior to becoming a professor, Dr. Jimenez worked in the nonprofit immigrant rights sector in the Bay Area, as well as during her graduate work in Austin, Texas. This work earned Dr. Jimenez the Human Relations Award in San Jose, California, Resolution of Commendations by the County of Santa Clara, Board of Supervisors, Certificate of Special Congressional Recognition, and Certificate of Recognition by the State of California Senate. Wow. <laughs> Welcome, Dr. Jimenez. Welcome. Thank you so much for inviting me to uh, share this space again with your audience. It's really an honor. We are so happy to have you here. Um, I'm going to jump right in. Yeah. And um, there was something you said on our last episode that has had me thinking ever since. And I want to, I'm just, I'm going to read my notes to make sure I'm, I'm really articulating myself appropriately. But I'd love to connect about the difference between being impacted by diet culture versus oppressed by diet culture. I think that mm-hmm. um, this is an important differ- differentiation, and I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that. Yes, thank you again for being very intentional and having these conversations that are missing in the wellness and then on dieting space. They're so important. So. Thank you once again. Just it's so important. <laughs> and I want to begin by <laughs> talking about like the impact. Everyone is impacted by diet culture because we see it and we breathe it, like it or not. It's like these invisible particles in the air, right? right. <laughs> um, it's through the values and ideologies that we may see and consume in, in society. So we're all, all impacted in that sense. We're all influenced by it. Some folks are influenced by it more than others. Mm-hmm. And specifically here, we're talking about, of course, you know, body image, you know, society standards about body and body satisfaction, you know, having negative self-perception, negative self-image, things of that nature, right? So that is like across the board. This does not discriminate race, gender, sexuality, social class, so forth. 
now <laughs> where I, I think as a sociologist where I see this, what's the difference now when we talk about oppression mm -hmm. uh, by diet culture, we're looking at this beyond the individual level, more mm -hmm. systematically, meaning that it's embedded in our social institutions and our society. For example, the education system, healthcare, government, the family, religion, and the list goes on, right? Yeah. So at the systemic level, and that, what does that mean? Well, we're now talking about discrimination. So when we talk about oppression is that there is unequal treatment. And that unequal treatment can be discrimination based on race, based on class, based on gender, based on simply because of how you look, your body size. So... Let me give you a, a more concrete example of what, how does that oppression look like in the workplace? Mm -hmm. Well, workplace might enforce uh, dress codes uh, that disproportionately may impact certain folks versus others. Maybe that's not the intention, but it, the unconscious biases, right? Okay. So that, those are examples of um, being impacted and then systematically being discriminated and being marginalized. Mm. That's good. Oh, wow. So <laughs> one of the things too that we talked about last time, and I, and I want to make sure I heard this correctly. So I, mm -hmm. please steer me in a different direction if you're like, that's not what I meant, was also this idea specifically around diet culture that, like, for instance, me as a white woman, I can be impacted by that, but I can't be oppressed by that because uh, I could do things that could allow me to achieve the quote-unquote status quo that I'm being influenced by, whereas someone uh, from a different background might not be able to achieve that no matter how hard they try. Am I, am I getting this right? Is this what, I, I, this is the example yeah. that you were sharing last time. You're in the right track. And again, I, I want to emphasize why this is so important, especially you as a, as a white woman engaging in this conversation. That's one of the questions you had is like, why aren't we talking about this? Because it's uncomfortable, right? We don't yeah. want to address it in the first place that exists. But uh, so just putting it out there for everyone, especially for white folks, that these conversations are necessary and you need to lead these conversations within the, your communities. So as a white woman, you, you hold both privilege, right, because of race, but you also are marginalized because you're female, right? Yes. So you're holding both. You like th Those two truths hold. You're still part of the dominant society because you're white, but nonetheless, you may still experience the sexism. And if you're from the LGBTQ community, you may experience a form of marginalization. Now, if you're not able-bodied, then you can experience also other forms of marginalization. Mm -hmm but you're still white, right? So white as the social marker in our society. So it kind of like shields you and protects you. That's how white privilege operates. Mm -hmm. It doesn't negate that you are experiencing um, discrimination and other forms in, in your life because of your social identities. But I think that's the problem that a lot of white folks don't see, a lot of white women, right? They don't see their privilege and that's how privilege operates. They think like, well, I grew up poor. I had to work for all this. Yes, I get it. We understand you weren't yeah. privileged because of your social class, but nonetheless, being a poor working class is different than being black and brown and indigenous. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For sure. It's like more than one thing can be true. 
You yes. can hold a level yeah. of privilege and still have some mm-hmm. level of marginalization as well. But I think you need the point you're making is you need to be aware of it so that we can have mm-hmm. these conversations as opposed to shying away from it and saying like, oh, no, no, mm-hmm. no, I'm just like you. Like I because it's not mm-hmm. it's not the same. So I appreciate uh, yes. that. It's being we talked mm-hmm. about this on another episode today of this idea around being curious about the experience of other rather than being defensive around the mm-hmm. narrative that you might think is an attack. Right. Right. Those are very mm-hmm. different um, ways that we receive information. And mm-hmm. um, I think that it's okay. I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. we said this even when we were having lunch. Like I said, like, it's okay that I still don't even know all of the ways the privilege impacts me as mm-hmm. a white person. And mm-hmm. um I am learning about all of those things and that's okay too. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. what happens, and I talk about the emotion of shame a lot on our podcast. Yes. Because it's guilt. A, it's <laughs> a very powerful emotion. And, and one of the experts mm-hmm. we had earlier today was talking about how shame's job is to run, mm-hmm. is to hide, is to shut down, mm-hmm. it's to go away from yeah, it. Exactly. And what mm-hmm. she actually, we were talking in the context of self-validation and learning how to come kind of home to yourself and letting that voice be louder than voice of other. But what her um, professional recommendation in the midst of shame was, was to do the opposite action Mm -hmm. so that we so that shame doesn't live. So um, it's okay and natural for there to be discomfort around Mm -hmm. very difficult conversations, Mm -hmm. especially when someone may feel like, oh, you're attacking me. That's not Mm -hmm. what's happening. We are stating Mm -hmm. facts Mm -hmm. (laughs) and we are talking about systemic issues that impact the Mm -hmm. majority of people. Right. right? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. um, and it's important for us if we ever want to create change at the root level for Mm -hmm. uh, people in positions of power and privilege to take a breath to come down to be open to other Mm -hmm. people's experience and to to tell shame i see you shame Mm -hmm. you're here Mm -hmm. uh i I see you want to protect me and i'm gonna still move forward with this conversation absolutely that's right yes because part of shame is silence and Mm -hmm. silence can be power but it depends you know who's holding that power so by on by you know processing that shame and then kind of embracing it and mm-hmm. and talking about it it's that's part of the liberation and that's part of dismantling diet culture yeah i mean i have this belief and maybe i'm on the wrong path so i'd love anyone's feedback here <laughs> but i believe that sometimes these conversations are difficult from the from the perspective of the person like for in the white body and the and the privilege that i've grown up with because people don't want to to give their power away and they believe Mm -hmm. that if we have Mm -hmm. to acknowledge inequalities then the only way for there to be equality is for me to give my power away do you think that that is a root reason why people are even unconsciously trying to hold on to the narrative i think there's an element to that that's true it's this idea of not wanting to lose your power or your position or your place um but also i think it has a lot to do because I don't think everyone is is knowingly like looking for the position of power. I also think though that there is a level of um, not wanting to feel like your efforts and your hard work have been negated. When I've engaged with people about this conversation of white privilege, the pushback that I get from people is this idea like 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 Dr. Jimenez said, I grew up poor, I had it hard. It was just like it, it, this idea that like I worked for what I have. I worked for this this place or you know, th- this career or whatever it is that I have and it feels like an attack 
mm-hmm. their efforts mm-hmm. and I their see. struggle mm-hmm. and their journey mm-hmm. when you have them acknowledge that there still is a level of privilege that exists in all your hard work, in growing up poor, in being raised by a single parent, mm-hmm. all of that. There's still a level of privilege that exists. And I think it just I think it feels like it takes away from their efforts and what they what they've done to get to where they are. I don't know if you agree, Dr. Jimenez, but Yes, completely. Yes, completely. And I would also add that we talked about this in the last time that I went is the home environment plays a big role, right? How you're socialized, what kind of conversations do you have at home, you know? And for us BIPOC folks, you know, we talk about race and we talk about discrimination, you know, (laughs) perhaps all the time. And and it's unfortunately, you know, the racial socialization that we have to do to our our boys. My son is 6'2", he's brown. And I had had a conversation about the police and Mm -hmm. I started crying and I had to tell my husband, <clears throat> keep going i can't right. i can't yeah. continue you yeah. know yeah. so um i those if if or st- and i think about my own students my students don't have these conversations at home and then they get to the school system the k through 12 system is failing our students ethnic studies in the state of california is not required but given the events that are going on in the world like it, ethnic studies is being attacked again so like where are students getting this information and then they get to college and then we're talking about race racism and white privilege and oh my goodness they're not ready no. you know they're not prepared so the home environment plays such a big role and then the education system plays a big role and then of course now you know social media also plays a big mm-hmm. a big role so i feel like they're not our youth oftentimes are not uh, as equipped but then again of course they do their own learning right, right. and and critical awareness and so forth yeah, I think, I mean, I've been stumped by this I, this concept a lot, not to keep going back to this one thing, but I, um, in the business world, I have been um, connected with a lot of people of, of privilege. And I often am one of the only females, not always, but like, I don't want to say that I'm the only, but I'm, it's, I'm not the majority mm-hmm. <laughs> in a business mm-hmm. environment. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And um, I just have so much curiosity, like, because I've had to, I've tried having some of these conversations with some of these people because I feel like, whoa, like, look at how much power you have. If we have these types mm-hmm. of conversations, like, real shift can mm-hmm. happen right. because you have so much power. That's right. So many resources. That's right. And there is, mm-hmm. there's, there's time and time again such pushback. And mm-hmm. regardless of my, delivery mm-hmm. and I and I've given this example before you know with our co-founder Tyler like we there's been a specific t- a couple times where I've brought up this issue and then some of the language you used here today with in terms of the oh well I was poor or I was this so you know that's mm-hmm. been the and I and I said you know we're walking away from that conversation and um if you had been the one leading that you would be a thought leader but because i was mm-hmm. leading that yes. i labeled radical feminist right. and mm-hmm. um, emotional yes <laughs> yeah emotional mm-hmm. um and so passionate yeah so i'm like <laughs> <Too passionate>. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> yeah. how how that's why i want to understand why or what are some of these reasons like we're talking about that there's resistance to even the conversation? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because if we can't mm-hmm. even have a conversation, mm-hmm. right? Like how on earth do we evoke change from the people who, how do we break the cycle, right? And yeah. and so, you know, I feel like, I don't know, I don't have the answer, <laughs> but I, I, I want to, to just talk more about that. Like why are people so closed down and, and don't we see what, what, you know, what power can come from this position and how we can come together and evoke real systemic change if we wanted to. Yeah. 
Yes. And I think that just by your podcast, by having me as a guest and other folks who are talking about other forms of discrimination or oppression, you're already challenging and dismantling the system, you know, because when I think about dismantling diet culture is challenging these narratives, these established narratives in our society. And some folks may think like, well, that's just not enough. That's a great start. (laughs) That's a great, that's a good start for now. You know, yes, we can continue to do more, you know, and change policies and practices, but we can't do that if we can't even engage in a conversation. Right. So um, that's one thing. Another thing too, is, um, you pointed this out earlier is overwhelmingly folks feel defensive. They take it personal, like, like a personal attack. And if you've lived a life of privilege, you haven't had to feel uncomfortable, right? You haven't had to think about others or anything of that nature, perhaps. And then you're being questioned to think about your, your reality from a different lens, from a BIPOC Mm -hmm. lens. And, and that's challenging in that you honor the fear, the uncertainty, the the in, uneasiness, all those feelings, but you don't know how to handle that because you haven't been exposed. You haven't yeah. had to sit with that uncomfortableness, right? Yeah. And we don't have an option. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't have an option. So we have to muster our courage or suck it up, excuse the language. I don't know what else to say or suck how to up. say yeah. it. We're, we have an explicit <laughs> mark on our podcast, so swearing's allowed. <laughs> Absolutely. <Yeah. laughs> I wanna... Are they, and then the second oh, the second ahead. thing I wanted to say, so one is that defensiveness, taking it personal because of their experiences. And then also part of that privilege too, whatever forms of privilege they may carry, is a lack of awareness about yeah. the societal impacts on other folks. Mm-hmm. And third is whatever ingrained ideologies or norms that they may have makes it discomfort, ma- makes makes it uh, uncomfortable because you're being challenged something that you've believed all your life. Yeah. yeah so it's, And here it's comes poking. someone of color. Yes. And then if it's someone of color, if it's a woman of color, then it, it's even harder. So imagine if you felt in that predominantly male space mm-hmm. as like you weren't being heard or validated or acknowledged, you can only imagine how we feel. Mm-hmm. Like that double, triple, it triple, depending on other marginalized identities. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And it, it makes me think too about um, the power of women holding a new standard, specifically white women holding a new standard in relationship to to their partners. And mm-hmm. I do think that more women are waking up and saying, because it's a little bit, I sometimes I don't know if this is the right way to think about it, but like sometimes I feel like I'm like the bridge, right? Like I have a white <laughs> heterosexual uh, male partner who has a lot of privilege mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. can be the bridge because Yes. He is relying on me in a lot of ways. And, yeah. you know, in, mm-hmm. I mean it in the best way possible as a partnership, right? Yeah. Like he yes. values the connection that I have. And if I come in and say, I'm thinking a lot about these things and I have to have these conversations in order for us yes. to remain at the level of connectedness yes. that we both want, mm-hmm. I consider. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to like also reframe it in my own mind rather than feeling yes. defeated by the bigger picture mm-hmm. of like, how will we ever get through to all these people? Yes. I can say, how yes. can I get through in this mm-hmm. partnership here mm-hmm. today this and then how scenario. can that person yes. use his Absolutely. power of white male privilege exactly. to come in and evoke change yes yeah. yeah so when we're looking at like you said because if we I, we i'm sure you know I, I get discouraged all the time there's mm-hmm. days where i feel deflated you know, we have our days and oftentimes there are more days than good days <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but sometimes. 
But we have to think about at the micro level, like you said, like with your partner, with your friends, in your neighborhood, in your community, and then at the macro, larger systemic level, like the influence. So like change begins with us. So you're you're doing you're doing the work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're doing the work. I want to get back to this uh, discussion about oppression and and really think about it from the lens of like we were talking about as women with diet culture being so predominant i really want to mm-hmm. know like how we can think about diet culture uh as a whole as more of a distraction mm. from like yes. breaking down <laughs> these systems of oppression <laughs> um mm-hmm. like if we're thinking about our our weight we're so focused on the scale you know we're not using our collective brain power to do things that would really you know, cause some real change in our society and make things better? Like, how do you view, like, diet culture's role in, like, keeping us distracted? Absolutely. You just said it. That's <laughs> what it, That's exactly. This is exactly the function of diet culture to move us away from focusing on the real issues that are impacting our families, our communities, and yeah. broadly speaking, our society. So part of this distraction is... Spend your time and your resources, and resources is time, it's money, and other things, in trying to conform to certain beauty standards, trying to do, I mean, I'm all about body autonomy, you know, but Mm -hmm. like spending all this time on your body, you're doing other things, all this emotional, physical, even spiritual energy on something that is perhaps not attainable, right? when you can focus on like that's distracting you from like even what's happening at home with your own family sometimes you don't even know what kind of issues and maybe even in your family what they're facing your siblings you know your parents or in your community right in your workplace it really just distracts you from what i think are like the important issues in our society that we all play a role and then the other point is Diet culture does a fine job in gaslighting us that we don't have power, that we don't have a voice. Oh, yeah. Right? So we have a voice and we have power. Some have more power. If you're a citizen, you can vote. So voting, right? So that's one way, right? Voting, Mm -hmm. going and voting, voting with your dollars, right? Mm -hmm. So the real changes. So it says, actually... Why don't you shrink your body? You Not only are you shrinking your body, you're shrinking, you're silencing yourself, your yeah. voice. You're not taking up space, yeah. right? And when you realize, wait, this system, that's what this system wants. But hell no. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I, I'm much more than this. Actually, I know what I can do. And because that's, I'm talking from personal experience. Mm-hmm. Like who I am right now, I'm 44. And I feel like I'm just barely living. Right. Like, in the last decade, and especially in the last five years, I feel like I've been able to have a more profound impact because of the work. I'm not saying I didn't before I have had, but it's like getting that courage and feeling comfortable being uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you know, but realizing that's understanding how systems of oppression operate in diet culture. It's like diet culture wants to silence me all the time on social media with folks or other things. And I have to remind myself, Hortense, you're smarter than this. Mm-hmm. Like you need to speak up, speak up, even though mm-hmm. you're scared and know you're trembling because that's what diet culture wants. Diet culture wants to silence you, yeah. but you know you're powerful. When you realize you're so powerful, it's f- fucking scary. You're like, yes. oh shit, I can do a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> you realize your potential because all your life you've been gaslighted that you were never enough. Oh, that's like that a you snap were, you moment. You could put some snaps. Yeah. I mean, I think about 
a, a different time in my life when Tyler and I were running a body transformation company and where I was just n- consumed by was I healthy? Was I eating the right things? It's silly to look back at now, but that took Okay, I think about this analogy of like, okay, you wake up and you have 100 units of energy. That took 99 <laughs> units of my energy. Okay. And like, That's right. And as I unsubscribed, unsubscribed, mm-hmm. unsubscribed, unsubscribed, and I'm like, mm-hmm. holy shit, I have mm-hmm. so much mm-hmm. more capacity, capacity energetically yeah. yes. to give yes. that to something else. Yeah. To give it to That's something right. else. We'll be back in just a moment. We want to make sure everyone knows about WeShape, the company we founded to offer people a different approach to health and fitness. Most health and fitness apps use shame and self-judgment as tools to push you to exercise more so you can lose weight. But at WeShape, we gently guide you towards approaching your workouts as an act of self-care rather than an act of self-judgment. On top of that, we've invested heavily in a technology behind our workouts so we can deliver a personalized workout plan centered around functional movements you can do from home that will help you feel better in your body. If you want to try WeShape out for free, click the link in our podcast description or go to weshape.com forward slash free where you can build your first workout and activate your two-week free trial. And now back to the Feeling Lighter podcast. Yes. And this is exactly when you, it's like you're emptying your bucket, right? Right. You're emptying your bucket. So you have more to give. You have more power to address these systemic issues. So if you're so fixated about like restricting and not eating, then you're like, you cannot address food insecurity. You can't even address like the disparities in your community. You can't address a racial profiling or discrimination that's happening in your neighborhood or in your community because you're fixated in looking at the number on the scale and shrinking mm. when this is happening in your community. That's how these systems operate and that's what they want. Not to mention you probably don't, you're not even fueling your brain with enough uh, energy <laughs> to think through these complex yeah, yeah. scenarios. Exactly. Yeah. So, you're <laughs> hangry all day. Yeah. Not fixing any real problems eating a celery stick all day. <laughs> That's <not>. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, well, I mean, I just, um, I just want to like um, acknowledge, uh, you know, everyone who's listening to this. I know sometimes these are just hard conversations, mm-hmm. but I'll tell you this, like, they're so powerful. And it's funny, even before this call, this is our sixth podcast today, and we're getting pretty tired. I'm very sensitive to lights, and we've been under lights all day. My, I kind of have a headache coming on. And I was like, how am I going to do this last episode with Dr. Jimenez? She's like one of my favorite guests. What am I doing? I, ha- I shouldn't have booked it at the last one. And I get on and guess what? I just feel like I am completely reinvigorated, <laughs> Absolutely. right? Like it's not just about even like mathematically, I only have a hundred units of energy. Where am I putting it? It's that when you're contributing to, in my opinion, to this type of work, you get it or, back. You're, mm-hmm. or to dismantling any system of oppression, really, in mm-hmm. my opinion, mm-hmm. it's energizing. Mm-hmm. It yeah. actually gives me surplus of those hundred yeah. units, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, like, even in this very moment, I'm experiencing what that feels like, that I came in here drained, I came in here tired, Mm -hmm. and I actually feel really energized and invigorated by this conversation because Mm -hmm. change is possible. 
And um, diet culture doesn't tell us that. And diet culture keeps us small, literally and figuratively. So I love that you are Mm -hmm. mentioning Mm -hmm. that, that, that important piece. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it keeps us in silos and it keeps us at a individual mindset or framework Mm. of me, 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 right? Me. That's part of if indi- this is part of individualism in our society, and that is diet culture at its finest. So, mm-hmm. when we think about collect, what we're doing in this space right now is collective healing, is having these conversations. That's already dismantling the system, right? Yeah. And when we do things in community, in relation, in community. It is a lot powerful, right? And that's where we get the energy. That's where we get our reaffirmation of our conviction so that we can continue to do this work. But we need to continue to surround ourselves with like-minded folks so that we can have the the gas or the energy, right, to keep going. To keep going. Yeah, I've kind of made a commitment to myself recently that it's okay if people aren't ready and -hmm. aren't available. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't spend my life's work and life's force of energy trying to convince people mm-hmm. that we need to dismantle systems of oppression and that diet mm-hmm. culture plays mm-hmm. an extremely foundational role. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, all I can do is connect with people who are open, who are curious, who want to make impact and just be at peace instead of at war with those who don't want to go there. And I think yeah. that that's okay. Everyone gets, to, it's not really my job so to tell gets. people mm-hmm. right. what their path is. I feel like I'd like yes. to use the feeling like podcast and the we shape company to create a platform for these mm-hmm. discussions and people who are available for them that's wonderful we're yeah. here with and we want to collaborate and come together as a community and people who aren't okay with it i want to just offer them no judgment and mm-hmm. just this is where you are in your life and i'll hold space for you and it's okay yep it's okay yes okay. yes and I, I think we had that conversation right in the first the first time i went is that some folks might not be ready for that interview if they were going to feel triggered or they weren't just ready and that's okay like whenever you're ready to engage but it's also important to recognize that some of us don't have the luxury to just wait that's right true. or, or right. not engage so I agree with you, but at the same time, you know, I get so um, taxed emotionally, like it just reach, I just get taxed so much, so exhausted all the time. And I have to remind myself, like, I'm not here to convince people. I'm here to share this awareness, this yeah. message, yeah. why it's important. And, and even within the Latinx community, right, even on social media, I see the resistance mm-hmm. and it's discouraging and deflating, but I can't stop because it's real. Like it has it real tangible real. consequences in my community. This, These are social issues that I care deeply about. It's, be, it's more than, it's beyond me, right? So if they're not ready, I get it, but I'm doing it for, for the larger society, yes. you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, and I, and I hear what you're saying and, Um, I think my point in that was just that there actually, I think, are more people than we know that are available. Yeah. And so not to just like walk on eggshells with those who are not, but to have an offering and to just say, Mm -hmm. okay. And then the door is open. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, Mm -hmm. we don't have to judge, you know, harshly judge people because we Mm -hmm. we've all lived in this like I've. You, you had a body transformation company. I was a fitness instructor and I had weight loss programs and nutrition programs with no nutrition education. That's not what my doctorate mm-hmm. is in. So I lived in the lane of diet culture and feeding it to people yeah. and saying, this is the way mm-hmm. you should do it. And this is right. And this is wrong. So 
understanding mm-hmm. some having some compassion for myself and my journey and being able to look at other people when they're not ready or they're not there and have compassion but also like you said yeah. keep doing the work keep having yes. the conversations and let them know you can keep checking in like the door is still open whenever mm-hmm. you're ready yeah. but it doesn't have to be that's a forceful right. thing because that's not where exactly. our energy is best spent no. <laughs> it's trying to force no, this on anybody no we're not here to convince anyone about any of these systems <laughs> absolutely um I don't know, Lisa, do you want, did you have a, a specific direction? I, just, <laughs> I know we have so many thoughts. I so. know there's so much. How are we on time? Are we doing good? I didn't want us I think to go. We have a, I think we have a few more minutes before we can, yeah, I think we could do at least one more question yes, for sure. I did want to know, I wanted to talk a little bit about the systems of oppression in general and then which ones you feel like mm-hmm. have like the, the greatest impact on our collective body image and then how that like disproportionately affects people of color. Yes. That was one that I really had to think through, and uh, I, I, it would have I would have to have an intersectional lens. I can't just pick one thing, mm-hmm. right? That would be a disservice to our Black and Chicanx scholars. <laughs> so intersectionality. So I would say, you know, race for sure, race, body size, mm-hmm. and one one group that we haven't really talked about a lot is the LGBTQ trans non-binary community. Yeah. Uh, that's huge. So. I would say the intersections of race, class, and and sexuality, and immigration too. There's a lot of nativism mm-hmm. uh, in our in our in our society. There's anti-immigrant bills that are impacting the LGBTQ community, immigrant community, right? So these are mm-hmm. all like intersecting uh, social issues. So the answer is there's not a single one, mm-hmm. right? But if we think about uh, like who's m- m- uh, more impacted, we have to think about um, how black bodies historically have been scrutinized and mm-hmm. the violence in, on black bodies on black women on trans women yeah. on the LGBTQ community right i mean for sure and we think about also immigrants like latinx immigrants and we can't we shouldn't pick and choose right or also um have uh, the narratives that i see also on, on on social media or on dining space as like we should just focus on this issue instead of this issue it's like no the, all these issues are intersecting Important. it's yeah. like the liberation of one group is tied to the liberation of all groups Absolutely. what's happening mm. globally is is what happens in the global south is impacting us here right and we're we're, we're you, you right dismantling systems and the liberation of others is our own liberation oh that's so important that just brings it full circle (laughs) yeah i I like that thank you um i i want to you know i think i don't want to like you you have so much valuable information and um one of the questions that I had may be overly simplistic, so forgive me if you are like, wait a minute, Katie, that feels a little too simple, but you're trying to take really complex issues and, and make them overly simplified, but is this idea around when people start unraveling <laughs> these systems, it's like it starts mm-hmm. with, wait a minute, maybe I don't want to diet. Uh, maybe I don't want to be that body type, and then we're and then we go down the path of, oh my gosh, what about all these systems and oppression and how it's linked to diet? Like it, it starts the it, the unraveling gets right the yeah. the thread starts to go. Yes, for people yeah. who are at the start of that journey, um, who are just now going, wait, diet culture and systems of oppression, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. which 
uh, admittedly, I, in my mm-hmm. most recent endeavor, have been starting to uncover, you know, so mm-hmm. um, it's, I, it's not about to shame anyone who's just now uncovering right. this. It's about, I, I'm curious yeah. because sometimes mm-hmm. the information can be overwhelming for people. Wait a minute, I didn't even mm-hmm. know this existed. How, what would be the takeaway from today's conversation? Mm-hmm. If you could say this one thing, like, would it be, keeping yourself open, keeping yourself curious to others' experiences. Under, like, What would it be if you could say, okay, I know we just went over a lot. This is the thing I'd love for someone to take away as we're just, if you're just embarking on this perspective. Be open and have a curious mind. And that's actually in sociology. Um, I tell my students when they enrolled in my all my sociology courses, uh, there's a concept called the sociological imagination, and it's our ability to think about our personal troubles connected to the larger society, having a curious mind, a beginner's mind. And that's what I tell my students. And not, that's not to dismiss your knowledge or your lived experience. It's like, wait, you know, I'm open to listening to these different perspectives that are going to challenge me. And I and I tell them, I'll hold space for, for you. Just have a beginner's mind like, take this with a lot of curiosity and not be defensive or take it personal because it's not about you. It's mm. we, we belong to these social group memberships. It's not your fault. Some we some memberships it's by choice and some is ascribed by birth, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's just have a beginner's mind. Um not dismissing your intellect or anything. It just being curious and Giving yourself grace and compassion, especially if you hold privilege, the guilt or the harm that you've caused unintentionally. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you are aware, what are you going to do now? What are you right? you do? don't want to create more harm, right? So we have responsibility. That's good. That's a- I like the beginner's mind. It's a reminder that no matter how much knowledge we get, there's so much more to learn mm-hmm. and so many other perspectives to consider. So. I'm going to mm-hmm. take that with me. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And we should model that, right? Yeah. Even though we hold these titles, I'm right. like, I'm always here to learn. Always. I'm always learning. But we have to be vulnerable and say, I don't know at all. And right. I made a mistake. I'm sorry. I cre- I caused harm. So important. I love, um, I'm always really uh, humbled by, you know, I've by people who have worked so hard to create educational achievements like like both of you and to hear that level of humility is uh i i think that's just incredible to to say yeah like i i'm an expert here and i still approach life through this lens of Mm -hmm. the beginner mind that i i still have so much to unpack and so just Mm -hmm. you leading by that example um both of you i think both of you are so um uh, achieved in your educational background so I just appreciate that perspective and I hope that you know leading with that can encourage others to do the same uh, we, we always have to ask the question at the end of our episode um, you know the the feeling lighter podcast big question around what is an old belief that you have shed that has impacted your life in a big way so this concept of like I feel so much lighter now that this belief doesn't exist for me anymore yeah, you know, I'm going to be because and I, I, I don't I don't say this lightly. I'm going to give you a gift to both of you and also the audience because I trust this pay this space. I trust you. I see your intentionality and you're able to hold this gift that I'm going to share because that's the first thing that I that I thought about. And I 
I had to really ground myself and really connect with my ancestors and say, is this the right time? Is this the message I want to share? And, and it is. And one of these limiting beliefs that I had all my life was that my family was not going to accept me. And mm. um, that my, yeah, that my family was not going to accept me, specifically my mother, once I told her that I was queer. And so on August 22nd of this year, on my birthday, when I turned 44, because I've been struggling, I've been coming out for years, and I had suicidal ideation for like years, and it just, every year it just was getting worse and worse, and every time I was coming out to family, and one of these beliefs was like, my mom's never gonna accept me. She will never accept me. And I got the courage, and I came out to my mother over the phone in Mexico, and I was crying because I wasn't raised with my mom. So you can, and my own trauma of being separated from my mom as an immigrant, as a child, you know, so I have my own, you know, traumas. And then like here I'm coming out to her and at 44, my inner child feels like she, she doesn't love me. She will not accept me. And to my surprise, she says, I love you and I accept you. And it's been a couple of months and I'm still processing that. I'm still like, is, is, did she just say that? Is, did she just say that? Mm. And I go in December, so I'll find out. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, just sharing this with you is that I carry that belief all my life. Wow. It kept me oppressed. It kept me caged. Right. So when we talk about oppression, how you know that, you know, as as a queer woman of color. And so that has been the limiting belief. And now. You know, and this is for anyone who hasn't come out or doesn't want to come out or is scared. Those beliefs paralyze us from mm -hmm. living our truth, from saying and speaking our truth. And I think coming out to my mother, I think was harder than birthing my PhD. Wow. Okay. Thank you. That was extremely vulnerable. I, we received that gift. Thank you. And I hope the listeners can really, I know that they will really relate and understand um, that. I don't think anyone shared uh, a belief, one, that is so recent, right? Because <laughs> it's easier <laughs> to talk about the stuff we've yeah. overcome years ago. Um, but something that's so potent and like right now and today and we're both mothers, so <laughs> definitely <laughs> feeling all the feels around that. But that is beautiful, and I'm so happy that you got to experience that, you know, um, from your mother. And um, and I'm I'm just just Thank proud you. of you and happy that you were able to to be yourself and and share your truth. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank I, you. Yeah, I don't um, know what to say other than I feel so grateful. We need tissues here. I know that we have created a sense of community where safety can be a foundational pillar so yeah. that we can open up and share the most inner human parts of ourselves. And um, this is how change happens, mm -hmm. is we connect with people where safety can be shared and where the trueness of who we are uh, can really be shown mm -hmm. and be accepted. So I commend your continued bravery and courage yeah. and um i just really can't thank you enough for your ability to show the parts of yourself that feel um so buried and so oppressed so 
we feel really grateful to receive that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I Virtual hug. I wish yeah. you were there. <laughs> awesome. <sighs> I know. Well, we all need a deep breath after that. <laughs> Dr. Jimenez, uh, this will hopefully not be the last time you're on the podcast. I want you basically every episode. Um, okay. <laughs> um, I um, feel so much gratitude for the work that you do. I feel so grateful to even just be in geographical proximity to you. You know, she's only like an hour from us. Um, and I'd love for you to share where our listeners can find your work. Yes, please follow, support my work on social media. I'm on Instagram at Dr. Hortense Jimenez, which you'll link in the show notes. My own podcast, which is Dismantling Diet Culture, Fuck Being Calladita. Uh, you can listen <laughs> yes. to my episodes there too. Um, and I'm not too much on TikTok, but I have an account there too. <laughs> Same <Wonderful>. name. <laughs> awesome. Well, this isn't goodbye. We will see you again, hopefully, on another episode. Yeah. And thank you again to all of our listeners for holding an openness and a space of curiosity for others' experiences. Yeah. We will see you next week. Bye. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you enjoyed today's show. Now, before you go, it would mean a lot to us if you could take a moment right now to subscribe to the podcast and then leave us a review. This helps spread the word so more people can feel lighter by shedding one belief at a time. Also, we want to hear from you. So if this episode impacted you or you have any questions that you think would be great for us or any of our future guests, please feel free to email us at podcast at weshape.com. And finally, if you want to try WeShape's different approach to health and fitness, make sure you click the link in our podcast description or go to weshape.com slash free where you can build your first workout and activate your two-week free trial. See you next week.